What's going on, people? Top Notch Sports coming back to you for the November 7, 2019 episode. As promised, give you guys an update on the Patriots and Ravens game from this past Sunday. Um, the LA Lakers are on a roll. Give you an update on that. UFC 244 recap, as well as Canelo Alvarez' big win over Sergey Kovalev. Tune in to find out what happened this past weekend in Top Notch Sports. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm feeling good about this one. On Sunday Night Football, my Baltimore Ravens took on the New England Patriots, where we've seen the Ravens defeat the Patriots 37-20. to Lamar Jackson threw for 163 yards, 17 for 23, three total touchdowns in this game. The Ravens' defense looked very, very good to me, as they've done all season long against this high-powered Patriots team. They got a touchdown off a of fumble. They picked Brady off. Earl Thomas did. Um, Marlon Humphrey is responsible for the touchdown. Mark Ingram looked very well. 15 attempts over 100 yards. Rushing. Uh, all in all, the Baltimore Ravens looked like the better team. Lamar Jackson was the better quarterback out there. He looked in control 1-4. through 1-4, through four, and my take on the game is 37-20. to 20. To some people, that's not a blowout. Some people it is. To me, it's not really a blowout as far as the score looks. But in my opinion, from the game that I watched, I watched from quarter one to quarter four, it was a blowout to me. It was a blowout because I felt like Baltimore controlled the entire game with the exception of the few moments that the Patriots had. The Patriots were put in great field, uh, great field position off of a muffed punt from Cyrus Jones. Who knows if... If that doesn't happen, do, does New England get on the board that early? Because the offense didn't look very, very sharp in the beginning. Defense could not stop the run, and that's what a lot of people were predicting. They were predicting Belichick to stop playing A, which is what he does a lot. Belichick's game plan is to stop what you do the best. That didn't happen against against the Ravens. The Ravens did what they usually do, which is run the ball. And they look good doing it. Like I stated, Mark Ingram, 15 attempts, over 100 yards. Lamar, I believe, um, two touchdowns on the ground. Looked very, very good. And what does bother me, even in a victory, what does bother me is that what a lot of people don't realize is that Bill Belichick plays the long term game and what I mean by that is that it's a good chance that this matchup could come back around in the playoffs Bill Belichick and his Patriots will be much more well prepared than they were this past Sunday which is very very tough because we're talking about the best coach in the game right now which makes an exciting matchup to see if Baltimore can make those same changes offensively can we be much better prepared for the Patriots if we see them again. Questions to be answered, we'll have to see. And lastly, Lamar Jackson is making Jalen Hurts a high draft pick in this year's uh, draft. A lot of people may be confused on me stating that. A lot of people may not understand what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that Lamar Jackson's play style right now, the way he's playing, you can argue that he's an MVP candidate. But with the way he's playing, with the way he's dominating the game, 
running the ball, passing the ball, leading the league. His team is leading the league in rushing. We can see Jalen Hurts maybe do the same thing when he gets to the league because Jalen Hurts had the same comparisons to Lamar Jackson coming out of Alabama. Pretty good runner, not the best thrower. It's probably, you know, it's one of the main reasons why he got benched in Alabama, in my opinion. Not the best thrower. Now he gets to Oklahoma. He's in a new system. Now he's looking like a much better thrower this year. Jalen Hurts is a Heisman. You know, he's on the Heisman watch. He can, you know, he can win the Heisman this year. He's looking like a much better thrower, much just like Lamar is this year. That was a downfall on Lamar Jackson going into the draft. Ending his first season, we've seen that game he had against the Chiefs, um, excuse me, not the Chiefs, but the Chargers in the playoffs. He didn't look very good throwing the ball in the first half at all. He looked absolutely terrible throwing the ball until maybe the last seven to ten minutes in the fourth quarter where he got maybe seven to eight passes off, threw a touchdown, things like that, got his yards up. But when you compare that Lamar Jackson to the Lamar Jackson that we're seeing right now, the, the pass that he's making to Nick Boyle, uh, Mark Andrews, Hayden Hurst, his three tight ends, the dump-off passes to Willie Sneed, uh, the passes he's making to Hollywood Brown. He's looking very much better than what he did last year. Now, he's not, you know, he doesn't have the throwing power that a Michael Vick had. He's not as sharp as a passer as a Michael Vick was. But it's the progression that can get him there. It's the progression that can get Lamar there. And right now, in my opinion, Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate for this year. He looks phenomenal. He looks phenomenal. And against his Patriots defense, number pretty much dang near number one in everything, they were getting ran around by this Ravens defense. Ran around. So we'll have to wait and see if we see those guys later on in the playoffs. We'll see what adjustments uh, the Patriots can make. A lot of people are worried about Tom Brady, the way he's looked this season. Me, not so much. I think uh, Tom Brady is just going with the flow. He still looks like Tom Brady. He may may look like he may be slowing, you know, slowing down, but the defense is much better than a Patriots defense in the last two or three years. They can carry the load, and, you know, Brady's going to be Brady. What the Patriots are missing this year, which I said going into the season, they're missing a big playmaker. There is no Josh Gordon. You still have Julian Edelman, but you don't have a Gronkowski. They're missing a big playmaker over there, which kind of drops their offensive stock. But that is fine because when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady, you can take that chance in losing a big playmaker like a Gronkowski. At the end of the day, they're still a top team. Within these first eight games, we know that they haven't really played the best teams. We can say that Baltimore is the first legit team that they've played. Of course, that Bills game, Bills has a great defense. The Bills have a great defense over there, and offense, not so much. Offense is shaky. But with that being said, they haven't played the best teams within these first eight games. The Jets twice, the Steelers, the Dolphins, the Bills. The Browns haven't seen too many top teams until now. Now, for the remainder of the season, they will start with this Baltimore game. They play Baltimore. They have to see the Chiefs. They have to see the Cowboys. These are good teams that they have to see from here on out. Eager to see how New England finishes this, this season off. But on to the next segment. It will be an NBA segment highlighting the Los Angeles Lakers. 
It is showtime in the L.A. The L.A. Lakers are on a six-game winning streak since losing opening night to the L.A. Clippers, where in these last six games, in my opinion, the Lakers are looking very, very good. They're looking like the best team in the league. Um, six straight wins against some pretty good teams, a good young Mavericks team, uh, Spurs team. You know, they've been beating some, some good teams. I want to see if they can continue a win streak. Look kind of shaky against the Bulls, you know. When I watched that game, uh, sloppy passing, which were leading, you know, leading to easy buckets for the Bulls. But you know, uh, one thing that they did show was resilience and you know, patience and being able to you know fire back. I was a little skeptical about this Lakers bench going into the season, but last night they showed me that they can you know they can run. When you compare their bench to the Clippers bench, open night, Clippers bench, aired them out. They aired them out. They, when you look against, you know, when you look at what they did against the Bulls, of course the Bulls are not a top team, but still you have to give credit where credit is due. That bench fueled a big run for the Lakers, uh, I believe, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter. They were down by 13, almost down by 20 at one point. Then LeBron starts to kick in. Anthony Davis starts to kick in. Kuzma starts to kick in. Dwight Howard looked amazing. He's been looking amazing these last few games. He looks like a younger Dwight Howard. If you compare this Dwight Howard that we're seeing this season to the Dwight Howard that, we, that, that we've seen the last three to four seasons, much better. You know, he just looks like a new player. He looks like prime Dwight Howard to me. Defensively, he's there. Offensively, he's there. Um... He's been healthy so far. Dwight Howard played, I believe, three games last year. You know, I hope that he stays healthy. But right now, Dwight Howard is a key piece coming off that bench for the Lakers. Um, he's just very, very active right now. And it shows. I mean, his 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 physique is much different than what it was in these last few years. And I think he's a very, very good backup for the Lakers when McGee comes off the court or AD comes off the court. Um Honestly, I believe Dwight Howard can be a starter. I believe he should start at the center, Anthony Davis at the four. I believe that's how they should, you know, go about things in L.A. But, you know, I'm not the coach. I can't make that call. But if I was a coach, I would put Dwight Howard in my starting lineup. LeBron James, in these last three uh, wins, three straight triple-doubles. I mean, LeBron is looking like MVP LeBron already. He's looking like MVP LeBron already with these Triple doubles. If you watch that Dallas game, you've seen how he pretty much took over in overtime. The passes he's making have been sharp. Uh, he looks aggressive. He looks very, very lively on defense. Something that we have not seen from LeBron in these last two years because these teams that he's played on, he commands so much attention on offense. He has to do so much offensively. We haven't seen the best LeBron defensively. Not so much this year. He has a team that can back him up defensively and offensively. Offensively, he has Anthony Davis that they can run the offense through. You have a, a solid shooter like a Danny Green on the team. You still have Kuzma there. And you have Rondo who has yet to come back. But, you know, another great offensive mind who can run the offense. Now LeBron can play more off ball. The ball doesn't have to be in his hand 25-8 or on every possession. That gives him energy and, you know, more motivation to play top-notch defense like we've seen LeBron play 
during his Miami years, his first year back in Cleveland. Um, since coming to the league, you know, LeBron, has, he, he's been on all defensive teams. Have not seen that lately, but I believe with the way he's playing right now, we can see that he's getting blocks, he's getting steals. Um, he just looks much more, that's what I'm looking for. He looks much more active. I'm going to use active. He's he, he's much more active on defense, and um, which is the big question that a lot of people are asking so far during the season. Is LeBron James taking his crown back? I believe he is. I said going to the season that LeBron James and Steph Curry were my leading MVP winners. With Steph Curry down, at least LeBron James, the way LeBron has played, phenomenal. Phenomenal. Tremendous. Extraordinary. Three straight triple-doubles against some good teams. Um, he just looks like the best player in the league to me right now. He looks like the best player in the league. LeBron stays healthy. He plays more than 70, 75 games. We're looking at the MVP because I believe they will be the best team in the West. I believe LeBron is taking his crown back, which was taken by Kawhi Leonard. And I believe that crown was taken by Kawhi just off the amazing playoff run he had playing for the Raptors, winning the title, taking down the Warriors, LeBron not making the uh, playoffs. Of course, you have to give the nod to Kawhi Leonard. But if you go off of these last few games, man, LeBron James is looking like the best player in the NBA. But he has to go through Kawhi Leonard to get that, to get that crown back. That's what I believe. So if it's a showdown in the playoffs, Western Conference Finals, second round, doesn't matter. He has to go to Kawhi Leonard to take his crown back, win this year, and LeBron James takes the rightful seat to his throne once again. But for the last segment, it's our combat sports segment. We're going to jump right into it right after this small break. Recapping UFC 244, Masvidal vs. Diaz, and Canelo's big win over Kovalev. UFC 244 went down this past weekend where we seen game-bred Jorge Masvidal take on Nate Diaz for the BMF title. And in that fight, Jorge Masvidal took out Nate Diaz in three rounds. The fight was stopped due to a cut. Uh, Masvidal takes the BMF belt. That was, I, I guess you can say, held by Nate Diaz. Uh, Nate Diaz classified himself as the BMF, and he only wants to fight BMFs. Ran into a BMF, which was Jorge Masvidal. Game bread looked sharp, man. He looked very, very sharp out there. He looked physically stronger than Nate. Uh, usually Nate can lean on his guys and kind of wear down on them. And, you know, Jorge was ready and prepared for that. The moment that Nate tried to get, you know, close up on him, you know, he fired off big shots. He heard him early in the first round in the clinch with some elbows, uh, then followed up with a kick that hurt Nate, opened up that cut. And from then on, I mean, he pretty much just landed where he wanted to. You know, Nate had moments here and there, but Jorge looked in full control of the fight uh, from one through three until the fight was stopped at the end of the third due to the cut. Um, who knows what's next for Jorge right now? Uh, there's some fights out there to be made. You know, I've heard that he wants to take some time off, though. Um, figure out what's next, heal up, and things like that. But all in all, Jorge Masvidal is a force to be reckoned with. 
in the UFC's 170-pound division. I think now he's getting the recognition that he really, really deserves with this win. I feel like it started with the Darren Till victory. Um, then he took out Ben Askren. Now he's taking out Nate Diaz. Who knows what's next for him? We know the next big pay-per-view. Kamaru Usman would defend the belt against Kobe Covington for the welterweight unification. He may want that fight next. He may want Conor McGregor next. He's calling out Canelo Alvarez. He feels like he can outbox Canelo. He wants that fight. Leon Edwards, maybe a rematch with Darren Till, who has not ruled out a return to 170. But Gamebred has some options. We're going to see what's next. Last for the UFC, Darren Till. Darren Till wins his middleweight debut, much like I predicted, defeating Kelvin Gastelum. Um, Till looked... He looked fresh. He looked fresh. He looked physically much better than fighting at 170. You know, he looked in control of everything pretty much. Um, he did what I expected him to do. Didn't take too many risks. He kept gassing behind his punches. Good movement. Good one-twos. Good kicks to, you know, keep him behind everything. And just like I predicted, Gassman had an issue getting inside Till's range, letting the big shots, and uh, Till walked away with the unanimous decision victory. Lastly, Canelo Alvarez took on Sergey Kovalev for, I believe it was a WBA light heavyweight title. Canelo moving up to fight uh, Sergey Kovalev. Didn't look bad, but he didn't look very good in this fight. I could see what his game plan was. And it wasn't a bad game plan. He, he pretty much wanted to keep Canelo behind his jab. But there wasn't many big punches, big shots thrown after the jab. You know, a few right hands here and there. And just like I predicted, I figured that Canelo will figure him out and start to land his big shots, you know, start to get inside, dip low, land some good body shots, come back up top. Um, Canelo's a very, very good puncher. And, and his punch choice, his punch style is at a very, very high level. It's elite, and he pretty much started to pick Sergey apart, I would say, after the fourth and fifth round. You know, Kovalev was doing a very good job in the early rounds, controlling the fight with his jab, but Canelo pretty much was, you know, just waiting, waiting and, you know, calculating what moves to make. He was, you know I mean, he looked very, very sharp in there after the fourth and fifth round because the shots that he picked to throw were very, very good shots. In the 11th round, hurt uh, Sergey with a left hook right on the ear. They kind of wobbled him, finished him off with a straight punch right down the pipe. And that was all she wrote. So who knows what's next for Canelo. He becomes a four-division champion. Does he stay at light heavyweight? Does he um, go back down to 160? There are fights still to be made at the middleweight division, which right now he is the king of. Who knows if he wants the trilogy fight with Triple G. You still have Jamal Charlo, who's a WBC champion. Demetrius Andrade, he's still out there. He wants that fight. I'm not, I'm not really sure on if Golovkin wants the third fight with Alvarez. We'll have to wait and see. But for sure, these other young guns, Andrade, Charlo, they want those fights. Um, and now Chris Eubank Jr. has returned to 160, and he wants that fight. As long as Canelo moves back down to 160, he wants that fight. 
Uh, he, he he's making his U.S. debut December seventh, I believe, against Matt Korbob. If you do not know who Matt Korbob is, last year in December, came in on short notice to fight Jamal Charlo. He put up a, a great performance, in my opinion. It's a pretty close fight. Um, who knows if Eubank Jr. can get this win? Who will he call out next? He says he does not mind fighting Charlo. He wouldn't mind taking out Charlo. He wouldn't mind taking out Andrade to get to Canelo. But a lot of questions can be answered. Canelo, much like Jorge Masvidal and the UFC, has options that he can go off of. Canelo can go back to 168. There's fights he made in 68 if he wants to stay there. With the champions, David Benavidez, Caleb Plant, Callum Smith, there's some fights to be made there. And there's some fights to be made in 75. Who knows what Canelo will take next. I really hope it's a very good high-profile fight against a very, very good challenger. I would like to see a Charlo fight. I would like to see a Eubank Jr. fight. If he goes to 68, I would like to see him try to unify. Some things can be made depending on Canelo's move. But thank you guys for tuning in, man. Um, this is another episode of Top Notch Sports. I want to thank you guys for supporting me. I ask that you continue to support me and spread the news. Thank you guys, and I'm out.